Hello and welcome to another episode of Highland Football Weekly with me, Ian Auld. On this week's podcast, we're joined by Jim Lachlan, a man who spent some time at Ross County back in the early 2000s. He had a spell, of course, with Kilmarnock and Dundee United before that, and afterwards we talked to him about his time at Dundee. He's played with and against some of the best in Scottish football, so sit back and enjoy the next hour in the company of Jim Lachlan. Delighted to welcome on to Highland Football Weekly now a defender that Ross County fans will know extremely well. He spent three seasons in Dingwall, of course, amongst many other clubs as well across the country. Kilmarnock, Dundee United, Dundee, Queen of the South. Jim Lachlan. Jim, how are you? Very well, Ian. Uh, thanks for having me. No, it's a, it's a pleasure, Jim. Uh, great to, to speak to you, of course. Uh, like I say, you spent a, a couple of years at Ross County, Um but in terms of uh, the area itself, I'm always interested to find out because I've spoken to guys that have, you know, been born and bred in the Highlands and and always spent their their footballing career here. I've spent spoken to guys that have moved up from down south and and then used the Highlands now as their as their base. Uh, you spent some time in the Highlands. What was your um, overriding uh, emotion of the of your time in the area? Absolutely loved it, Ian. Um... Happy memories anytime people speak about Inverness or even my time at Ross County. Um, at that time when I joined the club, I think I joined for six months initially and then I, I went on to sign a three-year deal. Um, and I got married and my wife actually moved up. We made the decision that we were going to move up. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't sort of commuting or, or renting a place. We decided to buy and live in Inverness. Um, and I absolutely loved it. Loved my time living in Inverness. Loved the people up there in Inverness and Dingwall and uh, absolutely loved my time at uh, playing for Ross County. Fantastic, fantastic club. Well, well run. Great people, uh, you know, throughout the club. Um, Everybody on call to help you. Just a really nice, relaxed atmosphere up there and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I always remember Ian when I was uh, coming up, Alex Smith, um, I come out, I come up actually out of respect for Alex Smith because he gave me a call and says, listen, would you be interested in coming up uh-huh. to Ross County? And I can always remember my first time travelling up that A9, honestly. <laughs> I thought the road was never ending. And then when I got to Inverness, I realised I still had to go to the Kasich Bridge towards Dingwall. I'm like, ah. and, and I can remember phoning the boss, Alec, and I says, Alec, when is this road going to end? This is never ending. I says to my wife, this, this is unbelievable. I'd never travelled so far. Obviously, went up to, to play Aberdeen and that. Mm-hmm. Um, travelling in the bus but I was driving on that A9 myself and I just felt as if it was never ending the first time I'd done it but certainly get used to used to the journey up and down from time to time to see family and things so it was Aye. fine but I absolutely loved it up there you'll, you'll probably know the road like the back of your hand uh, you've probably driven it many times now um, and it's yeah I mean I mean, everyone I speak to has always got a real fondness uh, for the area we'll talk about your time at, at Ross County a, a little bit later on um, sure. Jim, because you started your career uh, at Kilmarnock. Uh, Kilmarnock gave you your, your first team debut, uh, and I'll take you all the way back to the uh, mid 90s. Uh, and you make the breakthrough yeah. in Kilmarnock, <laughs> sorry, for Kilmarnock in 1996. Uh, in terms of growing up, um, were you on the books of Kilmarnock as a, as a, as a youngster and, and working your way through, or was that um, 
kind of later in your teens? No, no. I was uh, I was training with Motherwell and Kilmarnock, and it came to the time basically to leave school, Ian, and uh, I had the opportunity to go in, sort of, you know, on work experience at Motherwell, mm-hmm. um, and Motherwell were in the SPL at the time. Uh, Tommy McLean was the manager, and I absolutely loved it. The week I had at Motherwell, it was closer to the house I stayed in Glasgow, mm-hmm. uh, just going out to Lanarkshire, and I went to school in Lanarkshire, I went to Holy Cross in Hamilton, so I knew, obviously, Motherwell wasn't far away from Hamilton. And uh, went into Motherwell, I was training with them, had a great week. Uh, and after the week, so much so that Tommy McLean was was really, really keen to get me on the sort of, the ground staff signed me up and get me in full time. Um, but I had a week to do at Kilmarnock. And at that time, Tommy Burns was the manager at Kilmarnock. Okay. And Billy Stark was there. Um, and they were in the first division at the time. So the next week I went down to Kilmarnock, um, again, just trained with the, with, with the team uh, as a 15-year-old, spotty 15-year-old probably at that time. Um, but really enjoyed my time at Kilmarnock. Again, after it, Tommy Burns spoke to me after my week, um, says, that, you know, obviously they scouted me, I was training with them, etc. Again, they wanted to sign me. So I had a decision to make, Ian, um, where I wanted to go. And... Um, and everybody expected me, even family included, they says, look, it's your decision, Jim, you're a big boy, you make your decision. And uh, I decided to sign with Kilmarnock in the, in the first division at the time, which surprised a lot of people, even my family, do you know what I mean, that I, I, I chose Kilmarnock. But I just got a real good feeling for the place. Um, and it, it sort of proved to be a good choice because, like you say, you know what I mean, I was doing there a number of years and I made my debut at a young age. Um I played in the first team at 16. Um, I sort of became sort of part of the first team uh, set up as a 17-year-old. So, uh, again, really fond times, brilliant. Um, thoroughly enjoyed my time at Kilmarnock. Um, and that's how it came about, Ian, really signing with Kilmarnock. So was, was Tommy Burns a big factor in you deciding to to join? I mean, I, you know, I obviously didn't know the, the man very uh, personally, but you hear a lot of stuff in the media, you know, really good things about Tommy Burns, a real gentleman of a of a guy, a, f- a real football man as well. Was he a big factor in you joining Kamarnik? He was, yeah. I mean, I mean, really as a young lad, I, I, I was a Celtic fan growing up and okay. um, loved watching Tommy Burns as a Celtic player, the passion and drive he had. And when I went down there, he was player manager. Um, and the training and that was brilliant. The way he treated the young boys, he says, if you're good enough, you're old enough. Yes, by all means, um, show the first team respect, but don't be scared. Don't be scared, get stuck in and just show them how good you are. And that's, that That was my sort of... But the way Tommy Burns was, and I think it's, it's important throughout football, the man management side of things. And Tommy Burns made you feel that there was nobody better. And when you went over that white line, I'd have ran through a brick wall for Tommy yeah. Burns. And he made you feel so special. Not just me, I'm talking about experienced players in their 30s as well. Um, you know, you would give him absolutely everything. He's the type of guy, if he says to you, you know, Jim, jump off that bridge, you'll survive. <laughs> you would actually believe him. That, that That's the truth. He, he made you feel that special. Now, that didn't mean you went over the white line and you had a good game. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes, obviously, opponents get the better of you yeah. and you lose the, the football match. But you went over the white line and, as I say, you were 100% committed to doing your best for yourself, first and foremost, your teammates. Andy Gaffer being, being Tommy Burns, that's that's how good they made you feel about yourself. It was fantastic, but not only me saying that, all the experienced players they had at the time, we had Bobby Williamson, George McCluskey, 
Gus McPherson, Andy Mullen, Craig Patterson, Danny Craney. Fantastic, fantastic players. Mm-hmm. But they uh, they all love Tommy Birds because he was great to play for. Yeah, I think the the feedback you get from from players who played with him and played under him, yeah, pretty much, you know, everyone shares only good stories about about uh, Tommy Burns. Um, you mentioned there you, you get involved in the Kamarnock first team uh, as a teenager, um, you know, a young teenager of that as well. Can you remember your debut well? Yeah, I can. And I can remember the night, I mean, the day before, because you'd done ground staff duties, Ian, I trained with the first team. He told me the Thursday I was going to be part of the squad. Mm-hmm. Um, and believe it or not, I never did a suit or anything because obviously when you were at, you know, you were playing the youth team games, you had lit track suits, come on yeah. track suits. So he pulled me and he says, Listen, Jim, have you got a suit? I says, uh, no, Gaffer. I says, I've I've no got a suit. I've just I just wear my commander track. He says, Well, when you go home, say to your mum to take you out for a suit. So I always remember my mum took me out for a took me out to Slater's in Glasgow and I got my suit. Um, because obviously I knew I was going to be part of the first team, so I got my suit. Um, and then I trained with the first team on a Thursday, trained on a Friday. And then um, on the Friday, I still had all my duties to do because I was on the ground staff, so I had all the first team players' boots to do. I had to help the laundry, the washwoman. It was a home game, so I had to go out and let, basically clean, clean, the, clean the seats, you know, help the groundsmen with, the, with, with obviously the surface. and. Yeah everything else and uh, and then as I say as a manager pulled me and he says listen Jim you got up the road get your bed he was always one for get yourself your bed get the train up the road get yourself your bed you'll be involved um, and then funnily enough that night he phoned me because the press were out of my house for the first time ever I had to deal with the press right, okay. so he sent the press out of the house and Friday you know they phoned me obviously done an interview then they came and took a couple of pictures and when you talk about the detail of Tommy Burns, even that night when I was in the house with my mum, you know, you never had mobiles at the time. Going back then, Ian, maybe they just to start the mobiles, but I never had one. And my house phone went, and it was Tommy Burns. And uh says, hello. And he's like, uh, how did you enjoy that? Uh, we bit of press and that. And I says, I says, I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. And then the pictures and all that, he says, well, just to let you know, Jim, that um, you've earned it. You deserve it. Okay. been fantastic in pre-season. Um, the way you train the way you've played in the reserves you deserve it you've earned the right so enjoy it enjoy it and uh, get yourself down here tomorrow because um, you're part of the first team but I was on the bench Ian, and I come on and I played against Michael O'Neill I think Michael O'Neill's a manager at Stoke now the old Northern Ireland manager yes, yeah, of so course, Gus yeah. McPherson was playing right back and uh, I think I think we get beat 3-1 and uh, and I come on as a full back I come on in the second half second half for for Gus McPherson and uh, just unbelievable, you know what I mean? The fact that all my family were there and everything like that. And it was just it was just surreal to, to make my debut and play in the SPL at that age and being a 16-year-old. And for the manager to have belief in me, to put me in um, with no fear was, was fantastic, you know what I mean? And then just progressed for there, um, obviously um, playing in the first team. But, but I was always, the, the way I looked at it, Ian, when I, when I was doing like first team players' boots and all that, or I was playing reserves, that wasn't enough for me. I wanted more. You know, I played with boys that were on the ground staff that were like, oh, brilliant, I'm playing reserves. Yep. I wasn't happy playing reserves. And when I was cleaning first team players' boots, when I was cleaning their boots and they're saying, we man, eh, get the dubbing on my boots, get them shined up for the weekend, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking, in my head, I'm taking your place in the team, mate. 
<laughs> I wouldn't say it out loud. Yeah, yeah. But that, You're thinking my, that was that was my mentality. I says I'll not be cleaning these boots for much longer because I want to take your place in the team. I was determined that, that, that there wasn't anything else for me. Whereas I think nowadays it's went away for that. And I think sometimes yeah. we social media and that you say, young boys, what are you going to do if you don't make it in football? I'll just I'll I'll go and get a job or whatever. If you said that to me at that age, 16, 17, I, the only thing I'll say back to you is, I'm going to make it in football. I need to make it in football. There is nothing else for me. I need to make it. Um, so that's the way that's the way I was. So it was, again, to, to make my debut at that age, there's no many people done it and played in the SPL at that age. So for me, fantastic. Well, you did go and replace uh, those guys as well. You, you're pretty much uh, part of the first team picture before too long. And that's a very... Um, a very exciting time at Kilmarnock as well because 1997 they win the Scottish Cup. Bobby Williamson's in charge um, against Falkirk, 1-0 Ibrox. It must have been a great time to be around the club and involved in the club at that stage. I, I kind of, oh, Kilmarnock fans have not seen the Scottish Cup since. So, yeah, it must have been extra special. Fantastic. Um, fantastic to, to look back on. And, and, and Bobby Williamson was another... Great manager, had a lot of very, very good experienced players and a lot of good young boys coming through at the time. Myself, Mark Roberts, Alec Buck, who went on to play at Ross County, David, David Began. There was a lot of boys that, that actually came through the ranks to add, you know, and it was a good blend and a good mix at that time at the football club. And um, and I thought Bobby was a, was a great manager as well. Um, and it was just the change for, obviously, under Tommy, getting promotion, and then we progressed to to making Europe and and playing against Kaiserslautern over in mm-hmm. over in Germany and things like that, and then winning the Scottish Cup. And then it, there was almost an expectation that it had went from staying in the SPL to you know qualifying for Europe. That was the expectation, and we played to big club crowds back then. We mm-hmm. we were playing to between eight, anything between eight and twelve thousand down at Rugby Park, and, and it was fantastic. And I, I can always remember some of the games, you know. Even at half time, you'd be drawing with like a very, very good Hearts team, maybe nothing each. And the command fans are booing you off. And I'm thinking, <laughs> three, three years ago, man, we were we were in the first division. Yeah. And now they're expecting us, just expecting us to steamroll our hearts at Rugby Park. Uh-huh. You know, um, and that just that was the expectation, and that's that's the way the the, the, the club um, progressed over the years. And it was fantastic to be part of it. And and at that time, when I was at Coman, we played with a lot of a lot of very very good players uh, right through the club. Um, as I say, as I touched on the experience we had at the club, but with a lot of very very good young boys with the right attitude coming through as well. So great time to be part of the club. You've mentioned a few already, Jim. Um, but as a youngster coming through, who were the the guys that helped look after you? You know, keep you keeping the straight and narrow um, on and off the park, if you like. Yeah, well, one that's maybe no known that well was a, a guy, Mark Riley. Uh, Mark Riley played at Kilmarnock. I think he started at Motherwell. Um, and then he was at Kilmarnock. And then he went on to play for St Mum under Gus McPherson um, and Andy Millen when they won the league at St Mum. Um, Mark Riley was a... was a, a, He never really played centre-back, but he was a good influence on my career. Um, and Andy Millen, in his time at Kilmarnock, I can't speak highly enough of hey, Andy. Uh, Andy was just a model professional and he, he just took a liking to me in the in terms of the way I played the game because um, I never had great pace Ian but I, I, I was a real organiser 
Um, you know, at the back, I liked organising the team. I was a very, very good professional because I, I knew there was a lot better players than me. They are more talented, but I had the, the desire and the de- determination to do well. And Andy always took me under his wing and we always practised heading, basically working and tackling, passing, working on your, your bad foot. So for a young age, I was always doing extra and it was normally with Mark Riley and uh, Andy Mullen. Uh, two fantastic professionals and maybe guys that I played with players that are you know had better careers than them but in terms of professionals they were real top pros um, and guys I looked up to and really really enjoyed playing alongside but Andy Andy again was just a great professional great reader of the game great leader even if he wasn't a captain he was one of several captains we had at Kilmarnock Gus McPherson being another one Andy Mullen Ray Montgomery Myself, if I was playing, Mark Riley in the middle of the park, Paul right up front. You had Coyste when I was there, Ali McCoy, Dean Durant. Just Mm -hmm. unbelievable players we had. Unbelievable. You mentioned Bobby Williamson there, and and rightly so. You know, he was the manager that guided Kamarnock to the Scottish Cup and and took Kamarnock. I mean, Bobby, Kamarnock under Bobby Williamson were a a very good side, and he went on to Hibs after that and, and kind of helped bring through the next crop of exciting youngsters at Easter Road. I know that obviously it didn't end well from there and he, he lost his job, etc. And it's really a bizarre one. We haven't really seen Bobby Williamson in, in, in Scottish football since. I know that he's done good things uh, working abroad. Uh, he was in Uganda for a while as well. Are you surprised that, that someone like Bobby's, you know, not been as involved in Scottish football as, as he was? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like you say, he brought, he brought loads of loads of boys through at Kilmarnock and, and, and when he was caretaker at Kilmarnock I can remember we were bottom of the league and the, the next two games we had at Rugby Park were, I think we played Hearts and we played Aberdeen mm-hmm. and he put put me in put Alec Burke in put Davy Bagan in put Mark Robertson and we beat, the, we, beat, we beat Hearts I think we beat Hearts 2-0 and then I think we beat Aberdeen 3-0 and that really helped because the Kilmarnock supporters loved Bobby um, as a player because yeah. Bobby was a 100%er you know he was the type of centre forward that would chase down full backs you know and get a slide tackle and you know getting the crowd really up mm-hmm. um, and when you were even in training I, when I was a young boy coming up against Bobby it was like the strength of the man as well do you know what I mean back into you and things like that Bobby was brilliant but in terms of his, his management there's a lot if I was ever a manager there's a lot of sort of traits at Bobby. Bobby Williamson used to really, you know, on the training part, work on the back four, work on the sort of, we used to play three midfielders and we would always work on shape um, when we never hit the ball and defensively we were brilliant because we used to squeeze out the edge of the box. And I don't think a lot of teams do that nowadays, but the way we worked it and the, and the keeper was up, F, you know, behind us, he was up at, say, the penalty spot and then we would squeeze out and the amount of times we would play teams um, and strikers offside when the ball was coming in for a wide area was unbelievable. And we always did a really, really good defensive record. And that comes for Bobby um, in terms of the way he worked on the training part. And ter- you know, we worked a lot on shape, the shape of the team out of possession. And then obviously when we had the ball, the way we were going to get up the part and get at teams quick. Um, and like you touched on there, Ian, the, the, the players he, he brought through at Hibs and helped to progress their careers. I am surprised that he's not been back in uh, in Scotland um, and, and been successful because the time at Kilmarnock 
and the Kilmarnock supporters and for us as players, it was a fantastic time to be at Rugby Park and playing under Bobby. And, and Bobby was straight-laced, you know. If you played well and you won, or if you didn't have a particularly good game, but you won the game, it was normally the same team the next week. Um, very, very rarely would they change the team if it was a winning team. Um, so, no, I, I am surprised he's no been back over here in, in some capacity with a club. You mentioned earlier on there, you mean a whole host of players that you, you played alongside. Now, I know that they were coming towards the end of their playing careers, but Ian Durant, um, Ali McCoist, and I completely forgot about Pat Nevin as well, uh, towards the end of their careers, uh, joined Kilmarnock in the late 90s. Um, I mean, some team that Kilmarnock had. I mean, I know that I, like, I, I always rated Gary Holt in the midfield, Alan uh, Mahoud as well. Yeah. Ali McCoyst, though, I want to talk to you about Ali McCoyst because he's the, I mean, he's, he's the, well, I mean, he's the kind of the ideal guy you want to go and have a pint with. You know, everyone listens to him on Talk Sport and cool commentaries, etc. I mean, he is, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a character. Sharing a dressing room with him, how was that? Fantastic. Um, great. Actually, I didn't appreciate for playing against him because he's very much a penalty box striker, Coisty. So when I played against him, I'm, not saying I played well every time against Rangers. I never. Um, a lot of the times I did, but but he came alive in the box. You know, he was always on the move. Yeah. Um, his movement. As soon as you went to look at the ball coming on for a wide area, he was in behind you, across the front of you. Very very clever. But um, his timekeeping, to be honest, Ian was poor. He was <laughs> he was late for time to time down at Kilmarnock. But at the time he was at Kilmarnock, he was on a. Uh, Question of Sport he was doing Question of Sport so he used to fly down to London as well and do Question of Sport I think it was him and John Parrott were on it so we used to he used to come in with the, the Daily Express and uh, obviously the sport quiz in it so I used to I used to obviously read all the questions out, um, when we were getting ready for training and it would be Ali McCoy basically against everybody else in the dressing room because he was just wanting to obviously get his mind active in all the different sports you know for Question of Sport and more often than not, to be honest, Ian, he won the quiz. I was going to say, he, he was brilliant on question of sport, wasn't he? Unbelievable. Um, and it wasn't, like you said, no, just football. He was brilliant at cricket, snooker, rugby, because he does like his, his rugby. He watches the, I think it's the Glasgow Warriors. Mm. Uh, he watches them as well. Um, real round knowledge of all different sports. Um but what I probably didn't appreciate as well, like I just touched on there for playing against him, actually um, how good a finisher he was. Um, see, when he used to do shooting drills at Kilmarnock, left foot, right foot, half volley, um, headers, diving headers, all different. And how hard they hit the ball and how early he hit it. A lot of times um, when you actually watch them, he's hitting the ball and the keeper's just getting set to save it, if you know what I mean, it's already by him. You know, I mean, the keeper's just setting to, to to try and make the save, and the ball's already went by him, um, and he was he was fantastic. But again, probably because of the Rangers era he was in, you know, even in training, people see him as a funster and all that. But seeing training, even though that was at the latter end of his career, he was a winner. He hated losing. Like if you're playing a wee possession box, yeah. and it was a keep ball, he wanted you know it was own boys to be at it. Um, and same in small-sided games, he wanted to win. Um, and that's probably coming on for his time at Ibrox, just winning, winning, winning. And Geranti was the same. You know, they hated losing in training. Yeah. Um, you know, you always see 
maybe pictures of Coyster when he was training at Rangers or training at Kilmarnock. And it's always a, a picture of he's laughing and smiling. But I can tell you there's a serious side to, to Ali McCoy's, which I liked. Um, yeah, it's it actually was a funny prop, you say that. Cause, yeah, because it's funny you say that because you always see him laughing and joking, but I've never really thought of it like that way. I mean, he's he's brought up on the uh, the nine in a row side, etc. You know, and he was always used to winning, so he's probably demanding of that uh, wherever he wherever he went. The, the thing, the thing that, that that people probably don't appreciate, Ian, you know, at any level, whether you're playing five sides, eleven sides, you know, people say, "Oh, he's playing, scored all, all his goals in Scotland," but. To score like 20, 25, 30 goals a season year after year, you're not a lucky striker. You've got a knack to being in the right place and on the move at the right time, time after time after time. Because I used to wind them up in training when you're playing against me. I says, there's no chance you're scoring against me. You're too old. I'm, I'm 20, 21. You're, you know, 36, 37. How are you going to get the better of me? You know, and then the next thing, somebody would hit a shot. The keeper would, you know, parry it out. Who's there to tap it in? Coisty, and then he would run by me like, oh, lucky! you just, what did you say there? That's another wee tap in for me. Um, so that, that type of thing, you know, uh, just just a real uh, real quality guy, both on and off the pitch, but mm-hmm. certainly, as I say, he's in a real serious side about him as well, which people don't appreciate. You, you make the move to Dundee United a couple of years down the line, 2000, you moved to Dundee United, your time at command, it comes to an end. And I was just checking when you signed for Dundee United, and it was actually I, th- I think a couple of weeks after uh, Jim McLean had punched John Barnes. It was that kind of famous incident. You signed in October two thousand. That's right. Um, you signed for Dundee United again, and uh, you know a big club in, in Scotland, of course they are. Um, what was the uh, what was the thinking behind the move to Dundee United at the time? The the thing behind that. Ian, it was straightforward. Kilmarnock had offered me a four-year deal. Um, and as I touched on, guys like Alan McCoy, Steen Durant, we had another French international, Christophe Cocard at the club. And I was keeping a lot of guys out of the team at the time. And basically, we couldn't agree terms on a new contract at Kilmarnock. And it was sad because I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. Alex Smith was a manager at Dundee United. Obviously, I was his captain at Scotland under-21s. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dundee United were going through a difficult period. Uh, Kilmarnock wanted 100000 for me at the time. And it was between Dundee United and Bristol Rovers, believe it or not, down south. They they bid the same amount of money. And okay. Ian Holloway was a manager at the time. Right. And okay. uh, he was looking to take me down there. But I ended up, because I knew Alex so well, and obviously I knew he rated me as a player, um, and I was his captain at Scotland under-21s, I'd no hesitation of going there and going up to see what, what, what obviously Alex had to say. And I liked what he had to say. Um and as you touched on, obviously, Jim McLean had punched the, the, the reporter. The day I went up with my agent, my agent at the time was Trevor Stephen, the ex-Rangers player. Yeah, uh-huh. I went up and I was at, I was in one room because if you remember rightly, when Jim McLean was there, Dundee United were bottom in the league when I signed. Mm-hmm. Significant, si- significantly cut adrift at that particular time. And Jim McLean had signed a lot of foreign players. Um, and I don't know what sort of contracts we're on, but I went up with Trevor Stephen. We were in one room speaking with Alex Smith, and there was a big racket in the room next door. And I'm, I says to I says to the boss, I says I says to to, to Alec at the time, I says Alec, what's all that noise next door? What's going on in there? He says, well, after Jim McLean punched that reporter, all the foreign lads that he'd drunk in the club, they're basically no good enough. That's why we're at the bottom of the league, Jim. And now I've just told them to go on the phones and get their sale a ticket and fly their home because he was able 
I don't know how the contracts were, were, were set up, but he was able to basically release them all. So the racket in the next room was foreign languages, Argentinian guys and all the rest of it. And the, and the room next to us, and they were all trying to organise travel to get ourselves home because I like to re- release them all. They moved to Dundee United, as I say, they're a, they're a big club. And you must have been kind of relishing that that opportunity to play play at Tanadice every other week. Yeah, I mean it, it was great. You know, like the the week I signed, I signed uh, for Kilmarnock, and then uh, they signed Charlie Miller. He came up for Watford, so they signed Charlie, and they also signed Derek Lilly. Um, they brought him up from Leeds United. He'd with Murphy Morton, and he'd went down to Leeds, and then he came up to United. So Alec was really want to get the spine of the team back to being homegrown players. Yeah. You know, you know you're saying whether, you know, your career, when I play with Dundee United, you care about it. You know, you you know the history of the club, mm-hmm. you know what it means to people. Um, you know, and you want to go up there and do your best. So um and I obviously knowing the history of the club, what Alec was wanting to do is want to get back to being home based players that, that care. And that's certainly what he done. He brought in an array of players that made a difference. We had immediate impact on the team um, and made them stronger and better for the type of professionals we were and obviously with the talent we had on the park. And we managed to get ourselves, claw ourselves out of, out of uh, danger that season and, and we managed to keep Dundee United up, which was an unbelievable achievement. I think when we signed, we were something like 12 points behind um, second bottom team, which was St Murn at the time. Um, and we managed to claw that back, staying up in the second last game of the season at McDermott Park, and it was an unbelievable achievement. You mentioned Charlie Miller there. Uh, I'm interested to 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 get your your take on Charlie because, um, well, I obviously had the Rangers connection as well with Ali McCoy, Stanine Durant, but but Charlie Miller for for that time um, was a bit of a maverick, wasn't he? He was kind of done the United's kind of star man. You know, he he was yeah. the one that, that always kind of. He was he, he was the main man. He, he made Dundee United tick. Um, but again, another lively character. Charlie was honestly the most the, the, the most talented player I've played with. Uh, you know, unbelievable. His left foot, right foot, and 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 people tend to forget Charlie played in the, an unbelievable Rangers team at seventeen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Making his debut for that that Rangers team at seventeen. But in my time at at Tanadise, it was one of the ones. You know. Throughout your career, you come across players that, that can win you the game at any time. And we had players in the team that would work hard to get Charlie on the ball, to play that killer pass, or even score the goal that would win us the game. And Charlie, in his time at Dundee United, was unbelievable. I think in my time there, to be honest, Ian, he was the, the most fouled player in the, the Premiership. Um, and in some games, to be honest, people couldn't get the ball off him. Um, it was just, it was just unbel- unbelievably talented, and to be honest, it should be setting his feet up a millionaire um, because it honestly, it, it was that talented, and it was that good at Dundee United. We played them as a ten. We had Danny Griffin sitting, yep, uh, in the middle of the park. We had Craig, Craig Easton to the right, another boy that worked his socks off, and we had David Hanna on the left, basically as a middle three, and Charlie played as a ten off the front, and you had Jim Hamilton and Derek Lilly. Derek Lilly would run in behind and Charlie, we would play up to Jim Hamilton and Charlie would obviously get up and play off Jim Hamilton. You know, Jim Hamilton would flick it down to Charlie and Charlie would get strikes at goal or he'd take a touch and play Derek Lilly in. 
it was just honestly the team was just at work like clockwork. And to be honest, I think that season when I signed in November, December time, between then and the end of the season, Ian, I think we were the on points, the third best team in the Premier League. Um, that's how good we had to be to stay up, and that's how good we were. I think we go to the semi final against Martin O'Neill's Celtic team in the, the Scottish yeah. Cup, and they beat 3 1 at Hamden. Um, that first season, I had a really good uh, centre back pairing myself and Jason DeVos. We, we really, uh, you know, had a real good connection. And then, like I touched on, middle, the, the, middle of the, the middle of the park was very, very good. And then up front with Jim Hamilton, obviously. What with Charlie and then with Derek Lilly, we was pacing that to get in behind. So fantastic team, fantastic, fantastic time I had at Dundee United. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. You mentioned there that's right in your first season you were you were beaten by Celtic in the in the Scottish Cup semi final. Uh, you also lost a few years later on in the League Cup semi final to uh, Celtic as well, uh, both at Hamden. Um, and I'm interested to get your your take because well, 2001 especially, that's when Martin O'Neill was. It just did just come in that season. I mean, Celtic were phenomenal uh, and won the won the treble that year. Now, you yeah. and your early in your early career at, at Kilmarnock will have come up against a Rangers team, which no doubt included McCoy, Gascoigne, Loudrop, and, yeah. and a Celtic team which included Larson, Sutton. You know, playing against that Celtic team and that Rangers team, who 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 would be the be- the best team of that Celtic and Rangers side? It's a difficult one because there was so much talent. You get you even go back to Advocate when he was at Rangers, mm-hmm. the Giovanni Van Bronckhurst in the team, uh, two guy Barry Ferguson, Michael Moles played against Michael Moles as well. Uh, you know Brian Loudrop, like you see, t- touch on all the guys, Lubo Maravchik. It was just I, I think I think to be honest, Arthur Newman. There's another name, yeah. Arthur Newman, Dutch yeah. captain playing at Rangers. Um, you know, I was fortunate I was at Dun- when I was at Dundee United that I managed to win at Ibrox. We were always difficult opponents, it seemed to be, for Celtic at Rugby Park under Bobby Williamson. There was a, a lot of games we never managed to beat Celtic, but we always kind of drew with them or, you know, they get a last-minute winner or something like that. It was always tight. When you go to Ibrox and Parkhead, it's it's then more difficult. I was lucky, lucky enough to go to Ibrox and win with Kilmarnock and win with Dundee United on a couple of occasions, but... Uh, Real difficult places to go, and I don't think you actually appreciate, you know, the level of level of player you played against until your career's finished. And I look back now, and I think I'm a wee boy for East End of Glasgow who had a career maybe 17, 18, 19 years, and then it's when you finish, you go. By the way, I played against like Dutch internationals. Yeah, maybe the best Swedish player in history, and Henrik Larsson up there with Abram- uh, Ibrahimovic. Yeah, um, played against Gascoigne, McCoy, another legend. You know. I think now when I look back, I go, by the way, I've actually done all right. But if you were to ask me, like, who was probably the most difficult to play against, I played against Mark Viduka as well when he was at Celtic. And I didn't mind playing against him. I didn't mind playing against him because I wasn't quick. I read the game well, but I wasn't quick. And I always felt with Viduka, you could bully him a wee bit. Uh-huh. He, you know, he didn't like he didn't like the physical side of the game. He was a big guy, but he he quick feet and all that. And he would never run in behind. He would always take the ball to feet. So I always quite enjoyed playing against him. The, the, the guy that was always difficult to play against, I felt, was uh, Brian Loudrop. Okay. Um, the, the size of the guy as well, which people don't realise in the pace he would run with the ball with his feet. Um, it was both... He, there was no way you could show him. He was comfortable on the left, comfortable on the right. And he was also very, very good in the air and strong. Um, and it was always a good battle playing against... 
uh, Brian Loudrop and always always very difficult um, but I always found when, when we played at Tanadise or we played at played at Rugby Park we always had a chance um, not to say that we never had a chance going to, going to Ibrox and Park Kate no. but it was always more difficult you know yeah. always more difficult yeah, it's, it's just I was just thinking about it there. I mean, I you obviously came up against these guys. I grew up in the you know early nineties and, and watched a lot of these guys on on telly and, and and Loudrop. You actually forget how how good he was. He just he used to, he used to glide past um, you know opposition players and and yeah, I mean even Larson as well to a degree. I mean, you just you forget how how good these guys actually were. Um, Jim, of course, um, we talked at the very start about your your time in the Highlands. You make the move to Ross County. Alex Smith um, takes you up to Ross County um, in 2003. Um, yeah. And I, obviously, you know, I, I'm assuming that, like we talked about, Tommy Burns was a big factor in moving to Kilmarnock as a teenager. Uh, I'm assuming that uh, Alex Smith was a big a big factor in moving up to Dingwall. Yeah, massive, massive. Um, you know, we, we all called him the boss up there. Um, and I called, we called him the boss at Dundee United as well. And obviously played under him under... Uh, at, at Scotland 21s. I loved it. I went up. I basically went up to Ross County because Alex Smith, really. Um, the influence he had on my career, the way he set his teams up to play. And um, and I went up to have a look at Ross County out of respect for him. And when I went up, to be honest, Ian, I was pleasantly surprised, okay. you know, with the facilities. Um, because back in the day at Kilmarnock, we had one pitch at the stadium where the basically the Kilmarnock Hotel is just outside the stadium. Yep. That was a, a pitch, so that's where we trained. And then at Dundee United, we never had any tra- training f- facilities. We had the Gussie, it was called, like a 4G pitch it is now, just across the road. Uh-huh. But again, that was AstroTurf. So we had to go on a minibus when I was at Dundee United and go to public parts to train. Um, and it was all set up, don't get us wrong, when we go out there, all the, all the YTS, the ground staff boys and coaches went and set it up and all that for us. But... When I went up to Ross County, you know, you get the back of the stadium and you do all the pitches yeah. like on site and they were all well looked after. So when I went up there, I, you know, I was delighted when I looked and I seen the facilities. Then you had the indoor facility up there as well at the stadium. Yep. You know, when the weather was bad, we used to go in there and play small-sided games, do possession, a bit of shape or whatever. Um, and that was fantastic as well. Um, so I think I initially when I went up there... I, I think I'm right in saying I signed. I think I signed six months or something to start with to to, to see how I got on. Yep. Um, and like like the touchstone, I loved it. I loved it up there. I, I loved the Highlands. I, I loved living in. I did live in Inverness. Uh, I liked the facilities, and we had a good good group of players up there. Um, and I think following on for that, I ended up I signed a three year deal. Um, and I've only really got fond memories of my time at Ross County. It was uh, a really good time in my career. Um, and as I say, I loads of respect for Alex Smith and I love the way all the teams that I played under him, I love the way they played. So when they offered me a three-year deal, it was a no-brainer to sign. You make your Ross County debut uh, January 2004. Um, it's an ideal start for you in a derby, Highland derby. Um, you win that game 1-0 Stuart Golubek who was on the podcast a few weeks ago actually scored an own goal right before the uh, right before the end I mean that's obviously the the, the perfect start um, as you get to you know know the area know the team as you say you, you, and you commit long term uh, to Ross County in terms of the the facilities yeah, you talked about the facilities what about the, 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 the your teammates um, obviously Ross County were a 
for a first division club at the time, uh, the old Division One. But when you yeah. look through the, the squad that season, I mean, there is a there's a lot of um, a real a real kind of uh, number of of talented players. I know that like Don Cowie and John Rankin, who've been guests on the podcast before. I mean, they they obviously were the the really up and coming uh, youngsters. But when you look through that team, there's a there's a real uh, a real lot of quality there. Yeah, there was, um, and it, it didn't take me by surprise because I know what Alex Smith likes. He likes giving young young boys an opportunity, and he, he does like a, a spine experience uh, through his team. Um, so when I was up, when, when I went up there, I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised with the quality we had, and and like you say, it was brilliant to play in the Highland Derby as well. You know, I was luck, lucky enough to play in the Ayrshire Derbies. I played in the Dundee Derbies. But play, playing Ross County and Inverness was fantastic. And it was a, a perfect start. I can remember the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there was about six, six and a half thousand there. Like you say, the deflection off to the perfect start and just set us up nicely. But I think when I was there, you know, Don Cowie was a boy that I I looked at and he was in and out the team under Alec. And, 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 and Alec took me aside and asked me, what do you think? I says, by the way, and we called him Chipper, you probably know him. Yeah, um, yeah. Is that 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 boy's a player? He, he needs to play more. You need you need to find you need to find a way, uh, boss, for getting him in the team because that boy is talented and and it, and it was good as well that he was thrown there. I think it was face trust paper, uh, Don and uh, and I says to Ali, I says you need to get him in the team. I don't know I don't know how you do it because of the quality of both, but he needs to play more. He needs to be part of the squad because we used to play small sided games in that. At Ross County and whatever, and then obviously like there would be a couple of boys would would pick your teams, and it was normally normally the same myself picking a team. My first name that I would pick would be Don Kerry. I say Chipper, you're my team for over you come, give him a bib. Because he was he, he was he was that talented. John Rankin was another one, model professional, great physique, you know, uh, wanted to win, good way about him, listener, same as Chipper. Don Cowie was the same, a listener. They, they, they would take on board what you had to say. Um, real grit and determination to go on in their careers. And they went on to have fantastic careers, they two boys that you mentioned, they were fantastic. I mean, all county sides over the over the years, I mean, all the, well, pretty much all the, the Ross County players that I've spoken to, uh, and the same with Cali Thistle as well, they've always talked about a good dressing room, um, you know, a, a harmony within the dressing room, because you are... You know, you are out of the way, if you like, from the central belt. And I think that, you know, togetherness um, is almost part and parcel with the Highlands, the Highland clubs. Talk to, talk to us about the dressing room at Ross County. Um, how how good was that dressing room? We had a great dressing room. Like you touched on, it was important. I think, Ian, um, you know, as I say, you know, a lot of boys living away from home. So we used to wee poker nights. We would take it in turn going for house, you know, like house to house, maybe on a Tuesday night. You would get the odd Wednesday off, you know what I mean? And we'd, we'd wee poker nights or we'd go around to each other's for dinner. Everybody looked out for each other. That was a good thing. And then obviously, like I say, I got married in 2005. And so when I was up there as well, you know, if any of the girlfriends or whatever were coming up, my wife stayed up there and she would come to the games. She would go and pick like the, you know, the wives and the girlfriends and things up with some of the boys. So, the, you know, the wives and the girlfriends, they all got on very, very well as well. Which, you know, there was a real family feel about it. As I say, you know, everybody was in it together. And it was probably because we were staying up in the Highlands. So we always were together. We always done things together. Um, and that helped us on the pitch as well, I would say. Um, 
you know, we, we, we were very much together. We, the only thing that annoyed me in my time at County a wee bit um, was we never really had a plan B. Uh, we had a lot of kind of younger boys, like I touched on, Don Cowie was young at the time, John Rankin, Sean Higgins. Uh, with Stephen McGarry who went on to play with Motherwell he's a wee bit older yep. but with a lot of guys and you know if our football didn't work you know passing out for the back trying to play nice football we didn't really have enough nastiness in the team and that's a wee thing that frustrated in my, my, my time at Ross County you know I, sometimes you've got to win ugly and but that just wasn't the boss's way Alex Smith that wasn't his way we had to play football at all times and at the time Back then when we were playing in the old League One, yep. there was a lot of experienced pros in that league and a lot of experienced teams. Um, and sometimes they would just shut off the supply to our, our talented boys. And we couldn't let say, right, we'll just go back to front today and try and win this game 1-0. We, we, we always, Ali always wanted us to play through teams. And sometimes I just didn't feel it was on. You know, we, that's one of my frustrations about my time at Ross County that, that we... We didn't enough times win ugly. By that I mean like a one 0 that we've ground out and we've uh, you know we've we've battered into teams and instead they try to play football all the time, you know, that 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 was just a frustration for me. But in terms of the area, the team spirit, the dressing room, everybody wanted to do their best. In my time at Ross County, there was no bad eggs in the dressing room. And for one in, I wouldn't have that. I wouldn't have bad eggs in the dressing room. And and the other side, yeah. You know, girlfriends and and the wives at that particular time at the club, they all got on very, very well. Yeah. You you mentioned their frustration, and it's probably um, in terms of, I, I know that, you know, Roy McGregor, for example, had, he wanted to take Ross County on to the next level. He wanted to take them up to the uh, to the Premiership. Now, we all know that they, they did manage that, and indeed uh, they are a Premiership club at this, at this time as we record this. Um, but in terms of that frustration, I, I guess that kind of boiled over because there was a season Alex Smith moved on, uh, John Robertson came in, and I know that John Robertson left kind of partly into the season as well, and Gardner Spears took over, and there was a that, I think there was a, a wee spell during that season where you thought mm, Ross County might you know they might challenge at the top here, and the end St Mirren uh, ran away with it, but yeah, there was a wee bit of frustration I think in terms of the. Uh, the results on the park and just unable to to kick on to that next level. I think I think there was. I, I always remember one defining game in my time there, Ian, and it was uh, the Challenge Cup final at McDermott Park. We were playing against um, Falkirk. And at that time, it was a very very good Falkirk team. Scott McKen, all experienced players. Scott McKenzie, I think, was in the team playing at the back. I think maybe I'm no John Hughes. I'm sure John Hughes and Owen Coyle were the managers, but I think it was uh, Scott McKenzie, Russell Latipe. Uh, players like that in the team so they were real experienced team and we played them at McDermott Park and we were 1-0 up and uh, playing very very well for about 60 minutes um, and I was just at that time because I was a bit older Ian, I was I was once successful Ross County I was one a trophy for Ross yeah. County I was the captain at the time I wanted to lead them to a, obviously we'd led them to a final we're leading 1-0 and we had an opportunity where passed our way through and I think it was a boy Sean Colgannon and he had the chance just to put his left foot through the ball at the angle drill it across the keeper hit it as hard as you can we go 2-0 up we've won the cup final that's it we've won it yeah. but he tried to be clever he tried to like the keep for the keeper to go down and sort of dink it over the keeper so to speak and when I seen him doing that I just I, you know I went crazy I was just I couldn't believe it you know what I mean 
get your head over the ball, laces through it, drill it, it'll go through his legs or something and go in at that angle. And, and you know, after they'd done that, they went up the park, scored, and then ended up beating us 2-1. And that, that that really, really frustrated me because, again, it was a younger boy at the time trying to be clever. Do you know what I mean? Instead of just doing the right thing, getting their head out of the ball, drill it, 2-0, game's over, Cup comes back up to Dingwall. With, uh, you know, we've, we've won a trophy. Um, and I says to Alec after the game, um, when Alec was there, I says, Alec, look, we need to get a wee bit more experience in about the place. Um, you know, just boys that can pull these boys through we've not got enough experience mm-hmm. um, you know that really frustrated me and, and, and the boss did say to me he says look leave it with me Jim leave it with me and then obviously from then it sort of went on a downward spiral for Alec uh, at Ross County and, and, and like you touched on Ian he moved on yeah um, Alec Smith did move on and you've, you've spoke about him you know incredible highlights obviously you've got a a real good relationship with him um, and affection for him as the, the you know the years have gone on. You've you worked with him at many clubs. Um, I think he's in Australia now. Is that right? I mean, he's I mean his legacy is right, yeah. there, isn't it? He's one of I mean he, he, he was at Aberdeen and um, the, the success he had throughout his career. He I, I think the, the the Godfather of of Scottish football is is often I think that's the tag he gets. But yeah, I mean he, he is a bit of a a bit of a legend, isn't he? He is absolutely. Aye. Uh, I he was he was great up there. Do you know what I mean? But as I say, just for just for the whole club, for for Roy, uh, Peter Swanson was another director at the time mm-hmm. that that got on very well with the boys, for the manager, for the players, for the fans. You know, at that time, I, you know, I was so desperate to bring that trophy home, and when that never happened, and then you know things started to started to change. It was just, it was just so frustrating. Do you know what I mean? It was so frustrating because it is a fantastic club, and you are well looked after, and you're up there, and it is. It's almost like one big family. And the way I always looked at it when I was up there as well, Ian, when you were playing, and there's it, it, nothing against the fans and all that, but I, I was saying to, saying, saying, to, saying to the boys when they were up there and made a home game, create our own atmosphere and remember, these teams are coming up to the day of the game. A lot of them didn't have enough money yeah. to stay overnight, you know what I mean, the finances at, at, at football clubs. So they were travelling up maybe for eight in the morning. So my motto was, I always say to the boys, I was like, look, when we see it's three o'clock, we come out and get right in their faces, right for the start. Because mm-hmm. they're just coming off a bus, travelling all morning, maybe for eight o'clock, pre-match meal, and then up here. So we've got to get in, just hit them right away, right for the start of the game. We are full steam ahead, so they don't know what's hitting them. First 15, 20 minutes, and they'll no fancy it, because in the back of their head, they're tired already with the journey they've had up from Glasgow, the central belt. They'll be tired already. So if we come out like, and steamroll them first 15, 20 minutes, we'll win the game, guys. Because in their head, mentally, they're tired already. Yeah, with that roadie, and you've just got to use that to your advantage. And yeah. as I say, it's just one of these things where it is sort of a never-ending road. And if you're travelling up there for a three o'clock kickoff and you're getting a pre-match meal and you've got to button Inverness area for a pre-match meal around midday, you've, you've been on the road for half eight, nine o'clock. Yeah. So... That's I just wanted to get out the traps quick all the time um, and get in their faces because right away mentally in their head if you hit them quick I just always think in their head mentally they're tired do you know what I mean because of the journey of it. Your time at Ross County comes to an end in, in 2006 and as we spoke at right at the start you obviously have a, a fondness for the area. Um, your last season at 2005-06 as I mentioned there 
uh, St Mirren in the end uh, run away with the, the the league title, and you know Ross County were were flirting at one stage. Um, you uh, have you ever been back up to to Ross County? Have you been invited back by the club, or you been up for a game, or you you know do you still keep in touch no. with guys there? No, I've no, I've I've no been back up. Um, I've not been back up to a game, um, and I've well, I still keep in touch with Sean Higgins, Alec Buck, John mm-hmm. Rankin. I spoke to Don Cowie, Davy Winters, um, boys like that because we did. And as I say, it's not just us as players; the girlfriends and maybe the wives now they all got on very, very well. My time mm-hmm. up there, but no, I've not, I've not been back up um, to Ross County since I left. But um, it's something that I'm going to do. It's just I've just not get round to it with the kids. Having other clubs at the weekends and that as well, as uh, as mums and dads around the country will be able to tell you they're all like my two kids play football, they're at swimming, they're at boxing, so it's never ending, Ian, and it's difficult. Obviously, now we what what you know I work offshore, so it's difficult for me uh, when I'm at home to get myself away up to Dingwall to to watch the county. But it's something that at some stage I'm going to do, yes, for sure. Now, of course, your career doesn't end after. Um... Ross County. I want to, I want to talk to you about Dundee because a very fascinating um, two years you have at Dundee. Um, you, you joined Dundee in two thousand and eight and leave in two thousand and ten. Um, I, I was well, I was obviously uh, closely in, uh, involved with Ross County and Cali Thistle in that 0-9-10 season, and, uh, and and Dundee were obviously the, the club that season. Um, so very interested to get your take on that that season because. Spoken to a few guys that have been involved, Richie Hart, uh, Sean Higgins and that Dundee team that season. Uh, moving to Dundee, though, as a former Dundee United player, did you have any, or was there any kind of, you know, animosity behind that move? How did the, the Dundee fans react? Um, my first game, I, I get booed, so to speak. Because <laughs> I, um, I, when I played, we obviously played in the Dundee derbies. And, uh, you scored the did you, you scored one? I scored the winner at Den's eye, so we won 3-2 at at Dens and I went a bit crazy because it was right in front of the, the Arab fans behind the goal the Dundee United fans so um, yeah I lost the plot a wee bit it was an important game for us that night when I was at Dundee United and we managed to win it and you know yourself with playing in a derby fans don't like you forget yeah. um, but for me it was an easy decision to go to Dundee because I knew the stature and the size of the club having played with Dundee United that I knew it's something that probably at that time it's something I needed to be honest um, you know, going to what I class as one of the big clubs in Scotland. Um, and as I say, as I touched on there, um, made my debut. Uh, Eddie Malone was playing left back. He throws the ball back to me. I'm playing left centre back. Take my first touch uh, right over at the dairy side. And uh, and they start booing me. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, here we go. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously I played at Dundee United. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, like, Things like that don't bother me. I, I, I'm a kind of strong character anyway. It's things like that have never, never really, really affected me. I knew I would win them over with the way I play. Um, and the way I play is 100% every game. Do you know what I mean? I can come off the part, look myself in the mirror and say, I've gave it everything. And if, if you do that as a player, you can't ask for any more. So I did manage to win the the, the, the Dundee fans over. And it was uh, a really, really enjoyable time. Probably... The most disappointed I've been in my career that we never managed to win the championship. I was yeah. uh, I was devastated because again um, it was a club at that time where things were on the up. Do you know what I mean? We were yeah. spending a bit of money. We brought in Gary Harkins. We signed Lee Griffiths. Yeah. 
um, for a bit of money. There wasn't much money about. So it was a real good feeling because it was great to be in a club. You know, maybe a wee bit like Roy McGregor at, at Ross County where there was an ambition. Yeah. You know, when I was at Queen of the South, it was just about, right, this is your budget. We go with this budget. And if we finish fourth, we finish fourth. If we finish fifth, we finish fifth. Mm-hmm. Where we finish, we finish. But this is a budget. Whereas at Dundee, you get a real sense, no, we want promotion. And I liked that. And uh, it was great to be part of it. The fans bought, bought into that as well, where we were playing to fantastic crowds at Dens Park at the time. I mean, we were playing good football at the time. So it was a real good feeling at the time to be part of, to be part of Dundee. And, and one of my, well, my biggest disappointment in my career that in that season we weren't able to get um, promotion. It's, it's interesting you say that the fans booed you on your first game because at the end of that 0910 season, you're uh, awarded uh, the Dundee Supporters Player of the Year. So you've gone from uh, from zero to hero. Um, but that that 0910 season, um, as, I, as I mentioned, I was, I was working as a reporter and I followed Cali Thistle and Ross County pretty much every other week. And, and Cali Thistle just come from well, not nowhere, but they, they were kind of always kind of at the top end of the championship. And for, yeah, they just went on this incredible run. But you, but Dundee were the team to beat. That that Challenge Cup final, yep. you, you beat Cali Thistle 3-2 at McDermott Park, coming from 2-0 down, what a second half that was. And you just felt, after that game, you just felt that this was Dundee's championship to lose. Can, can, you, can you pinpoint, a, a, you know, a, a moment in the season or a, a reason um, where it, where it, where it just went wrong? It's, it's a difficult one. Um, real difficult one. Um, I think I think there was a wee spell where we, we started to draw too many games. I mean, that that, that, that that Challenge Cup final against Inverness was just a fantastic game. I mean, at halftime, we were dead and buried. And yes. as you know, Ian, we'd, we made three stands that day. And, you know, the booing is probably the, the loudest I've heard and we went in and we asked ourselves questions come out the second half and played the way we could play and the way Jockey Scott wanted us to play but I think there was a wee bit of panic at the club um, when when Inverness started to sort of catch us and Inverness had a, a very very good team and a very good manager Terry Butcher at the time mm-hmm. um, but they had a lot of good players in their team and um, I think the, the club sort of panicked they ended up to sack Jockey Scott to bring Gordon Chisholm in with Billy Dodds and mm-hmm. I just went a bit flat after that I don't know if they were looking for the next bounce of uh, Gordon Chisholm coming in along with Billy Dodds but you know all the players were behind Jockey you know and yeah. and we were we were as surprised as anybody that they made that decision that you know they were going to um, they were going to get rid of Jockey nobody wanted that to happen at Dundee at the time and when it did happen it sort of deflated us a bit and uh, and probably the rest is history but uh, but it was, as I say, it was so, so disappointing because everything at the club was geared towards Premier League football in terms of the, you know, what was happening in the boardroom at that particular time when I was there. Um, so I think for everybody connected, uh, experienced players and the young boys like Lee Griffiths and that as well at the club, it was extremely disappointing that we, we never managed to, to, to achieve promotion, you know. You mentioned off here before we we started. Obviously, you're you're working offshore now. You you've, you're um, you're involved in a, a subway franchise as well. Now, after Dundee, you you did go on to play for Queen of the South and maybe spell in Ireland as well and and in United. Um, in terms of yourself and football, what's the relationship with uh, football for yourself now? Are you still involved in any capacity? Um, season ticket for Celtic Park along right. with the kids. <laughs> That's about it. Ian. I don't stay far from Celtic Park. I, you know, right. I grew up 
a big Celtic fan. Um, so, yeah, when I'm at home, um, you know, I work offshore in a four-on, four sort of four-off rotation. Um, and when I'm home, and if there's home games at Celtic Park, I normally find myself going down, down and watching watching the hoops. But, um, but obviously my kids play football as well, so I've got their school football and I've got my, my daughter plays plays football, my son plays football. So mm-hmm. probably all, all the other parents out there, you know, you're just um, just sort of daddy daycare and at the weekends I'm just going to watch uh, watch Celtic and watch the kids when I can. But sometimes that's, you know, that's what, uh, you know, that's just, sounds ideal to me. Uh, pretty much the same as myself. Kids football on the, on the Saturday morning and then a game later on the Saturday afternoon. That's uh, sometimes all you can ask for, is it? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and to be honest, when, when I was coming to the end of my career, you know, I was because I'd always sort of been vice captain or captain of clubs. You know, I, you know, I've probably missed the boat in terms of I've been taking a managerial role. Uh, I did get offered the the Stenhouse Muir job as as player manager, um, and I did speak to people that I had a lot of respect for in the game. Andy Mullen being one, mm-hmm. I spoke to the boss Alex Smith, and and to be honest, Ian, at that particular time, you know, when you take that job, I hadn't earned enough money in my career that, you know. A wage, a wage was still important because I had a young yeah. family and I didn't want to be one of these guys. You know, everybody thinks they're going to be the next Alec Ferguson or Jose Mourinho, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. when they go into coaching and management. And it doesn't always work out like that. And in between jobs, you can be out the game a long time and you've still got a family to support. Yeah. So for me, I looked at it and I said, listen, I don't want to live off my savings for one year, two year, three year, maybe to be a good manager. And I just went down a different route, and uh, it's been pretty successful for me. I've um, I've achieved quite a lot in in my career offshore, and uh, I'm quite happy with, with what I'm doing. It's it's a good balance between obviously being at home and being sort of daddy daycare and being here every day for the kids, yep. to then being away for and doing my my sort of four weeks offshore. So six months at home, six months offshore. That that kind of suits me at this moment in time, and it's uh, it's going well. Jim, uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, really enjoyed the last hour in your company, talking over uh, your career. You know, obviously, you know, Kamarnock, Dundee United, Ross County, Dundee, just to name a few of your clubs. I mean, um, again, you know, some of the biggest clubs in the country, and uh, and certainly, you know, the players that you've played with and against, uh, some some big household names in there as well. Uh, Jim, I really appreciate your time this evening, and as I say, uh, thanks very much for your time. Yeah, no problem, mate. Thanks for having me, mate. Thank you.